Hey there, I'm Matt Walker, the host of the Choir Director Corner podcast. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I'm so excited you are here. Before we dive in, I want to tell you about a one-of-a-kind online resource for choir directors, and it's called the Choir Director Corner Community Membership. This membership was designed to give you the training, the resources, the support, and the community you need to be successful in your teaching. Inside the membership, you'll find online courses, which will help you polish your current skills, as well as learn some new strategies and techniques, a PDF resource library with over 50 PDFs and Google Docs that you can use in your daily teaching and workflows, monthly collaboration calls where you can ask questions, get feedback, and collaborate with choir directors just like you, and access to our recommended repertoire videos and repertoire lists. There's even a private Facebook group which gives you another place online to collaborate with other choir directors and ask questions. Being a choir director doesn't have to be a DIY endeavor. It's so much better when it's done together. So head on over to choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash membership and join us in the Choir Director Corner community membership. There's even a seven day free trial where you can get inside the membership and check it out. Again, that's choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash membership. All right, on with today's episode. And hello, my friends, and welcome to the Choir Director Corner Podcast. My name is Matt Walker. I am your host. Thanks so much for stopping by and joining me for today's episode. And in today's episode, we are talking about creating a productive and purposeful choir council. Now, one of the secrets to getting everything done in our jobs, you know, taking care of all the different responsibilities is to delegate. Delegate, 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 my friends. But in order to make the best use of your time and to make sure that things get done in a timely and productive fashion, you need to have some systematic, repeatable ways of delegating certain tasks. And one of the ways that you can do this is with a choir council. Now, what I mean by a choir council is you've maybe heard it called choir officers or maybe choir representatives, you know, whatever you want to call it. I use the term choir council because it sounds like more of a collaborative group. And really what it is, is a group of singers in your choir that serves as leaders to help facilitate specific activities and accomplish certain tasks. And this is different than section leaders. Now, section leaders, which, you know, they're charged with facilitating more musical activities, such as leading sectionals, right? However, you can include section leaders in your choir council meetings uh, as a way of giving them the opportunity to offer ideas and feedback. So it's totally up to you if you want to include those section leaders in your choir council or not. Now, along with being in charge of completing certain tasks, the choir council can also serve the important function of serving as the liaison between the choir as a whole and the choir director. 
So if you have a choir member that is maybe uncomfortable bringing something up in the middle of rehearsal with the director, they could choose to share their questions, their feedback, their suggestions with a member of the choir council who could then share that feedback anonymously with the director at a later time. Now, as choir directors, we hope that singers always will feel comfortable coming to us with concerns or suggestions or feedback, but this is an avenue that gives those singers uh, a path to sharing some feedback uh, if they so choose. You know, maybe they're just uh, too shy or maybe, you know, they have some sort of uh, objection or conflict within them where they just don't want to share that personally with the choir director, then there's this sort of this intermediary, uh, this liaison of members of the choir council, and that also can take care of that outside of rehearsal time as well. Which is my next point is that the use of a choir council can also help to make better use of rehearsal time. So instead of having the director being mobbed with questions from choir members at the beginning or the end of rehearsal, raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. I'm raising my hand currently. <laughs> instead of that, you can institute a policy that choir members should refer all questions to choir council members before asking the choir director. So they first have to take this avenue before they head directly to the choir director. Now, emergencies excluded, of course. And maybe it's something, you know, uh, a personality issue where you know, they don't feel comfortable with the choir council uh, visiting with them, then okay, fine. But if you can sort of just make this an uh, unwritten policy or even a written policy, right, that uh, choir members go with uh, suggestions, issues to the choir council before they come into the choir director. This is going to help remove a lot of those interruptions, particularly at the beginning of rehearsal. And it may even cut back on the number of emails that you get because some of those choir council members are going to be able to help take care of that situation before then that choir member even has to go and uh, send you an email. So putting that policy in place can really uh, help save you time and also is going to make that beginning uh, part of rehearsal and sometimes even the end part of rehearsal a little less chaotic and much more productive. Now, getting into the different positions of the choir council. Now, the good news is that there's a lot of flexibility in how you decide to construct your choir council, right? This really can be tailored uh, to fit your needs and fit the needs of your program. But here are some examples of the positions that I have used on previous choir councils. Now, we've used the typical president, vice president, We've had a secretary. Uh, we've had someone in charge of public relations. We've had someone that's uh, their main job is in being in charge of concert apparel. And in my case, it was being in charge of robes. Uh, using someone to be in charge of uh, technology, what I just simply called the technology assistant. Using some people to help keep track of the music library. I think it's a good idea to have multiple music librarians. And then as I mentioned, you can also add the section leaders in there as well.
Uh, you know, other ideas for positions, you know, maybe you've got someone that's in charge of social events, a social coordinator. Maybe you've got someone that's really into photography that uh, is in charge of taking pictures throughout the year of different choir events. Yeah, whatever uh, you find will be helpful in getting things done and really just applying some of these things uh, to the different aspects, the different parts of your program. And I would encourage you to, you know, really use your imagination. You know, what could you put in place where you could delegate some other things and take some things off of your plate and at the same time, give the opportunity for some of your choir members to, you know, use the skills that they have. Yeah, your choir members are really going to get into this if they have different skills and different things that they like to do. If you can tailor some of these positions around those different uh, skill sets and those different interests. Uh, and you're uh, sort of, you know, killing two birds with one stone, as they say right there. Okay. So using your imagination, lots of flexibility there in the different types of positions you have on your choir council. But there's some examples for you. Now, here is my step-by-step -step process to selecting your choir council. This is one of the biggest questions I get in reference to choir councils. Now, the one piece of advice I want to share with you right off the bat is do not, I repeat, do not use a public vote from your choir members to select your choir council. And here's why. When people do this and there's often problems, this is the one main reason why there are problems when they have this, uh, you know, sort of this choir council or choir officers is because they do a public vote. Here's the problem. By doing this, it becomes a popularity contest. And as we all know, a popularity contest is not always going to give you the best people to fill these positions that will get things done in a positive, productive way. And that is the goal here, right? Right. We want people that are going to get things done in a positive and productive, efficient way. Choir members do, however, have the opportunity to give their input in this process. And that input is what you will use to guide your selection of the choir council members. It is not a public vote, but they do have the opportunity to give their input. So let's dive in. Here's my step-by-step process. Number one, give choir members examples of the job responsibilities of each position on the choir council, noting that there is some flexibility, which I'll talk a little bit about. Number two, create a list of singers interested in each position on the council and post them where choir members can see it. So they can sort of see who the candidates are, for lack of better term. Yeah, they can see who they should be considering for each of the positions on your council. Number three, use a written feedback form allowing choir members to identify who they think the best person would be for each position, given the responsibilities of each position. Now, there should be no discussion amongst choir members during this part of the process, because I don't want anyone influencing the people of others. I don't feel want anyone to feel like they are pressured into selecting someone. It should be their opinion and their opinion alone. So when I'm doing this process in uh, rehearsal, there's, there's no talking going on as they're filling out these written feedback forms. 
And I don't let them do it outside of class either because again, there could be different conversations going on. So this is something I'm doing inside of class. And finally, step four is collect the written feedback forms and review that feedback from your choir choir members. Select the members of the choir council based on this feedback. Now, a quick note, you should be very clear throughout this process to the fact that the final decision making as to the members of the choir council lies with you, the choir director, and not the choir members, right? As I say all the time to my choir, this is not a democracy. This is a benevolent dictatorship. (laughs) And so this is included in that statement, right? You have the final decisions. Now, what you do get to emphasize to your choir members is that they have this opportunity to offer their input. And you can stress the importance of that to your choir. Here's exactly how I would phrase it. In the end, I reserve the right to make the final decisions as to the members of the choir council. However, my decisions are heavily based on the input from the members of the choir. Therefore, you as choir members have the greatest influence as to the makeup and therefore the success of the choir council. And I put that last little bit in there, therefore the success, because that is reminding them in no uncertain terms, that they should be picking people, not that are their friends. This is not, again, a popularity contest, but they need to be picking the people that truly will be the best persons for the job, right? And the different responsibilities of those different positions. So that is exactly how I would say it. I think that's a great way of balancing their level of input and emphasizing that they have uh, that 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 input has really a, a determining factor, but at the same time saying, "I am the choir director. This is still in the end my decision." Okay. Now, getting into the job responsibilities of the different positions of the choir council. When it comes to the job responsibilities, my advice is to be flexible. While there may be some responsibilities that stay consistent from year to year, you also want the flexibility to tailor job responsibilities to the strengths and the skill sets of your choir choir members, right? The responsibilities for me in the past have stayed consistent, primarily involving the president and the vice president. So number one, they serve as general assistants to me, the choir director. And number two, they are to be a visible assistance to any substitute teacher when the need arises. Two pretty big jobs. And they're the two people that are uh, really uh, involved in those tasks. It was also traditionally the role of the vice president to work together with the person in charge of concert apparel, because that is a really big job, more than just one person. And so, you know, I'd have that concert apparel person working with the vice president, and oftentimes they would recruit some helpers as well. Everything else, we pretty much tweaked from year to year, depending on what council members wanted to work on and what their different interests are. Yeah. Now, the most important part of this process, be very clear as to who is doing 
what. So I would suggest at the beginning of the year, once those council members have been chosen at your very first meeting, making an outline and drafting, you know, for lack of a better term, a constitution as to who is doing specifically what, those specific tasks, and who is responsible for those. Yeah, that is the most important part of this. That is going to lower the risk of there being any future disagreements amongst the council members. Yeah, getting into the finger pointing. Oh, or I thought you were going to do this. Oh, no, I thought you were going to do this. That just leads to dis- disagreements. The clearer you can be as to who is doing what the better. So that's it. That is the general outline of getting started creating your own choir council. Now, if you'd like additional help getting started with your choir council in your program, great news. I have three templates for you. Number one, it's a template of the choir council positions description. So you can see exactly how I divide all of those different responsibilities and you can see the different uh, positions that I've used in the past for choir councils. Number two, I have the choir council application form. This is the form that choir members fill out where they can designate what position they are interested in or positions they would be willing uh, serving in those capacities, right? And then finally, I have the choir council feedback form. This is the form that I use with all of my choir members inside of rehearsal where they can give that feedback as to who they think would be the best person for each position. So all of these templates are inside of my guide, which is called Creating a Productive and Purposeful Choir Council, right? Because I've done choir councils in the past and it hasn't always been so productive and there hasn't seemed to be much of a purpose. So this is my guide, Creating a Productive and Purposeful Choir Council. It includes those three templates. And this guide is a part of a larger resource that I have created just for choir directors here at the end of the school year. And it's called the Choir Director End of the Year Survival Pack. So in the Survival Pack, there are six guides. I'm going to list them here for you so you can hear about all the things that I'm covering in this resource. Number one, I have a guide on gift ideas for your graduating choir members. And these are all PDF guides that you can go through and there are templates and uh, different documents and handouts in there to help you save time. So number one, the first PDF guide, gift ideas for your graduating choir members. Number two, how to minimize the drama surrounding choir auditions because many of us are doing choir auditions here at the end of the year. Number three, how to make a choir recruiting video. Number four, how to give your choir final and select repertoire at the same time. Number five, creating a productive and purposeful choir council, just like you heard on today's episode of the podcast. And finally, the sixth guide is the end of the year to-do list. And as I mentioned, there are going to be multiple templates and handouts that are going to be inside of this uh, resource for to help you save time so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. For instance, for the gift ideas, there is a 
PDF that has links to some of the gift ideas so that you can easily find them. For minimizing the drama surrounding choir auditions, there are two documents in there. One is an auditions guidance document that I use with parents and students. And I also include my choir audition template inside of that guide as well. Again, just to show you what I use to keep my auditions short and sweet, but also to make sure that I have all the necessary information I need to accurately assess the current skill level of my singers. Um, when I get into giving the choir a final and selecting repertoire, I share with you my template, the handout that I use for my choir final, and there's also links for the different choir recordings inside of that resource. Creating a productive and purposeful choir council, I just mentioned the three uh, handouts that I have for you to help you save time. And then finally, with the choir director end of the year to-do list, I have that to-do list, the top 10 in David Letterman style, yeah, starting at 10 and working my way down to one. I also also have a checklist. If you're someone that's uh, uh, that loves checklists, the choir director end of the year checklist, and that is in Google format. So you can choose to go in there again and tweak that to serve your uh, needs. You can add things, you can remove things, but that is something to help get you started as far as checking off the boxes, literally and figuratively, getting everything done inside of that checklist. So if this resource sounds like something that would be helpful, useful to you in your teaching, there's two ways that you can get a copy of the Choir End of the Year Survival Pack. Number one, you can go to choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash shop and pick up a copy there. Or number two, starting today and running through May 15th, I'm offering this resource free to anyone that joins our Choir Director Corner community membership. And you can find more information about about that over at choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash membership. I'm running it through May 15th so that you have enough time to get this resource, to digest it, to take it all in and put all of these resources, these templates, these handouts into practice. I think it's going to be an invaluable resource to choir directors, really help save you time, and at the same time, get some things done and not have to reinvent the wheel. Well, that's all the time I have for today's episode, my friends. I hope this episode gets you inspired and motivated to finish off your school year with a bang. Now, if you've been enjoying the Choir Director Corner podcast, can I ask you a big favor? Go over to where you are listening to the podcast. And if you could leave a five-star rating and a review, that would be awesome because that's going to help other choir directors find the podcast. And that's helping me in my goal to serve as many choir directors as possible. Well, again, thanks so much for listening. Until next time, keep being awesome. Are you looking for resources that will save you time and frustration? Want to dive deeper into topics related to your teaching? Then check out the Choir Director Corner community membership over at choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash membership. Hey.